if if I'm if I want to make a claim that you know this product is is going to cure cancer, if I want to make that claim, well, you've already decided for yourself. You're out of the you're out of the conventional food. You're out of the dietary supplement space. You're in the drug space, and you got to go through that process. So really, I think that's one of the starting points. I think is is you've got to figure out from the mark from the what it is that you're wanting to convey to the to the consumer. Welcome to Making It to Market, the podcast where we discuss everything about taking your product or service idea through to commercialization. I'm your host, Dahlia Collada. Are you thinking about creating supplements in the form of food or drink? Well, today's episode is the last episode in a three-part series. If you missed the first two, I highly recommend you go back and check them out. I'm back with Jody Shalasi an attorney who specializes in dietary supplements, CBD and hemp, food and beverage, cosmetics, and health and fitness industries. In this episode, we discuss supplements in the form of food and drinks, including energy drinks and CBD drinks. Jody shares insights into the FDA process for new dietary ingredients, as well as adulterated and illegal food additives. We also discuss supplement facts, food facts, and labeling. We also talk about false advertising related to sugar and calorie counts. To learn more about today's guest or find out more about our sponsors, check out the show notes. I'm looking forward to this discussion. Let's get into it. If I'm creating a supplement, again, private label, I'm going to go invent my own little supplement brand. And I don't even think about attorneys at this point. I've already found my contract manufacturer. I know exactly what I want in there, the ratios. Again, I can't prove that the ratios are optimal, you know, whatever. That's another thing. Um, but I have these ingredients in mind. I want to have my contract manufacturer make it. I pursue a contract with them. They make me, you know, 20,000 bottles and I put my branding on it. At what point in that process up to the labeling should I have gotten an attorney involved? Well, you're asking the attorney the answer the answer to that question. And from my from my from a from a legal standpoint, is, is we should have been in the process all along. Okay, at least from the standpoint of making sure what you're doing before this hits hits the market is is in compliance. Now, is that is there anything that requires that? No. Do man, do product manufacturers on a regular basis put products on the market without any without any legal review? Absolutely, they do. Um, my my when i have clients that kind of ask those questions what i always tell them is it's real simple you know better course for you put a little money into having legal look at this on the front end as opposed to having an issue development because you didn't have legal looked on it and now you're spending 10 15 times that plus potentially subjecting yourself to whatever liabilities and whatever potential governmental enforcement comes down on you because you didn't do it on the front end Better to go ahead and get it done now and and be feel like you're in pretty good space uh, so that, you know, obviously you can't predict that, you know, something like that. Somebody taking a product and getting injured or or FDA coming down with an issue, you know, saying this 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 is not labeled correctly. We can't predict those things. But if it does happen and you've gone through the process of getting legal to review things before you and out, now you've got some sort of a defense. Now you've got something you can come back to the FDA and say, hey, we did all our due diligence. We did everything we possibly could to get this right on the front end. Here's all the things we looked at. Here's all the research we looked at. Here's the way we, here's the process of going through, making sure we're compliant. We did everything we could do. What more could we have done? Mm. Uh, and, and I think that's really important. And, and, and it certainly does help. It can't, may not actually get you out of the, 
completely out of it, but it certainly gives you something to to work with and certainly makes it a lot um, uh, more likely that you're going to come out um, without really any significant liabilities. Well, let's go into talking about supplements in the form of digest ingested foods, of foods and drinks. Is that mm-hmm. something that you've helped with? Yeah. Uh, so um, one of the big things that one of the big, a lot of my clients now are moved into the energy drink space. Okay. Um, and, and now energy drinks, inter- interestingly enough, can really, um, they're, they're, they're kind of a, um, a hybrid, I guess the best way I can describe it. They can really fall into the category of a uh, conventional food, like any other kind of beverage, or they could be a dietary supplement. And again, they, they have, depending on the way the, the manufacturer labels it and depending on what they say about it, kind of dictates which way you got to, which set of rules you got to follow. Um, and, and I see oftentimes, you know, folks in that space that, that, that mix the two rules, you know, <laughs> there'll be a, you know, let's say for example, if I, if it's, you know, if it's something that's just, a, um, you're just a product, it's a, it's a beverage for hydration. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're just, you're just one to, you know, then that's probably a conventional food. We're not making any kind of claim that's really, that's related to, you know, structural function, things like we talked about earlier. You know, if I say energy, you know, if it's giving you energy, you know, because I got caffeine in it or something like that, mm-hmm. then probably I'm moving more toward the the supplement realm, okay, okay. as opposed to a, a beverage. Depending on which way you've gone, though, it really is going to dictate what set of rules you have. Obviously, I mean, you, you well, I say obviously, you may not know. It's, you know, the label itself is going to look different depending on whether it's a conventional food as opposed to a mm-hmm. to a uh, supplement. There's, you know, conventional foods are going to have a nutrition facts panel. Uh, supplements are going to have a supplement facts panel. And then what goes in those two panels is going to be very different, okay? Um so that's one of the one of the things you'll deal with, you know. And and I have clients that are in that space come to me often, trying to, you know, to, to balance that out to figure out what fits them best in terms of what they're doing. Um, and, and I think that's that 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 that's a uh, really huge industry right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and and a lot of folks in the supplement world have entered into that energy drink space. Um, and that's something I'm dealing with quite often right now. What about? I mean, I'm sure you've seen this, the new spritz and the new carbonated drinks that have CBD in them. There you go again. So that's another, yeah, that, well, that's the, that's the, 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 the drinks that have CBD and included in it. You've really created something else because now we've got, we're crossing all these issues. Okay. We got the question of whether or not it's a, a beverage versus a, you know, a, a conventional food versus a supplement. But we've also got the question of, let's assume it's just strictly just water and with CBD included in, in water. Mm-hmm. Because of FDA's current position on CBD not being allowed to be used because it's, you know, like we talked about before, prescription pharmaceutical, the question FDA can generate is, is have you created what's called an unlawful food additive have you added something to food that shouldn't be there in the form of cbd um and and if you have if you have done that you know if it's something that shouldn't be there now not only do we got to have the question of this this what we've talked about at this point but also if it's adding something to food that's where you got to have the question about is it generally regarded as safe grass we've heard the grass certification that's where that put that that's where that comes into play if i'm putting something that doesn't normally belong in there you know cbd going into water 
The question becomes is, does that have to be grass certified in order for it to go into market? Which means you've got to prove to the FDA, hey, this is going to be safe. Or whether it's based on historic historical use, whether it's based on you know clinical trials, whatever it is, you know you've got to have that certification uh, of some way in order to justify that to put that in there. Yeah, but that's if that specific lot, that specific batch, that specific extraction method, correct? Or how does how do well? You- well, so you can rely on manufacturers can rely on uh, grass uh, that's already been done for their product. They can't. Okay. If depending on how, but it really comes down to a question of how close what you've done fits within the model that was done in the original grass certification, mm-hmm. you know, is, is, and you're right. It's gotta be, you know, same set, set of, same set of circumstances, same set of parameters, same set of ingredients, dosage. same set of all, all that dosage, everything, mm-hmm. you know, how it was manufactured, all that's got to fit within that same description that's already done. And then you can rely on previous grass. And, and interestingly enough, there is, you know, um, one of the things a lot of folks in the industry do now is what's called self, uh, grass certification. You know, you have the ability, it, you have the ability, you know, ordinarily what you do is, is if you want to get something grass certified, you make an application to the FDA and what's called a new dietary, you know, uh, an NDI, uh, tell the NDA, FDA, Hey, here's what I've got. I think this should be, should be qualified. Um, and, and here's the basis for it. And FDA says, okay, good, good, good to go. There is a process now, and under the rules that allow it, to have what's called self-grass certification, which basically means even though FDA doesn't actually approve it, you've gone through the research and got the documentation and the support behind it enough to, to reach the same conclusion that you would think FDA would have concluded. Now, obviously, hmm. the risk with that is is the FDA can disagree with you later on down the road. <laughs> they may really say, hey, that wasn't good enough. You should have gone through the process. But it at least gets you to get you to market. If you can have that information, you can get to market on on that. What uh, uh, and, and despite it not being approved. What is NDI? You said make an application to the FDA for NDI. Yeah. So you yeah. So there's there's you know from the supplement side, an NDI NDI is what's called a new dietary ingredient. And if it's a supplement, you know dietary supplements by definition have to have dietary ingredients. What is a dietary ingredient? A dietary ingredient is an herb, an amino. It's a, it's a, it's an enzyme. It's of, of something like that. It's those types of things: a flower, a plant, whatever it is, root, whatever. Those are dietary ingredients. If in fact you have something that either a wasn't in the in the food system prior to the enactment of of Deshay in 1994, uh, then you have the FDA says that that item whatever it is shouldn't go into a dietary supplement unless fda has approved it okay, okay. so you know what you'll have to file is what's called it's basically a new dietary ingredient notification to the fda that says hey here's something that we've found um and uh here's all the support that shows it's it's going to be okay and it's going to be safe to use and blah 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 and then fda said good enough and now you can use it uh, and if it doesn't have that, if you haven't gone through that process, if FDA determined, determined something's in an ingredient and a product that's not gone through that process, um, you could find yourself a product with a, you know, either an un- un- illegal food additive, like we talked about a minute ago, or potentially even adulterated. Interesting. Um, so that, that's where that process comes into play. Now, again, the tricky on all that is, is a lot of these herbs and things that you see in the marketplace, um, Industry will say, well, this stuff's been used by, you know, some rem- the natives on some remote island in the Pacific for thousands of years. Uh, it's got to be safe because uh, everybody's known we've used it. 
Um, and there's there's probably some level of support to it. You know, they probably some tests and things like that. Where if where industry can kind of runs the risk is 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 that good enough? You know, there a lot of industry will rely on will go ahead and make product with that stuff and say, hey, this is good enough. If we're ever called out on it by the FDA, here's the support we're going to do, um, and avoid that and try to avoid that NDI process. Is there a list of ingredients that the FDA has approved already that someone yeah, can it, look at? Uh, so, well, for the most part, everything kind of is grandfathered in, you know, if caffeine, for example, I mean, everybody pretty much knows you put, you put caffeine in there and there's, there's nothing, there's no real, no, real, no real issue there. It's where you get these new things that are kind of out that are a little bit newly discovered and kind of different from what's in the industry been used previously. That goes to this NDI process. There is a list out there. You can find that list those ones that have been approved through that process through FDA. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you can find those things in there. Okay. Uh, under, under under that. Let's talk about supplement fact labels and food fact labels. Are those also considered monographs? Uh, not really. Uh, different from from an OTC where you have a monograph that says, you know, this is this is what the this is what the OTC looks like. If your product looks like that, then we're good enough to go. And, and uh, the rules and regulation for a supplement. Well, again, first of all, back up. Obviously, it's not a supplement's not going to meet the OTC monograph because if it met the OTC monograph, well, then that means it's a drug. It's not a supplement. Let's start there. Okay. So it's not going to meet that. Secondarily, is is if it's a supplement, the regulations require that product label to have what's called a supplement facts panel on it, and that supplement facts panel has got certain regulations that got what can go on there, mm-hmm. uh, including you know where the dietary ingredients are that are on there. Uh, any other ingredients that belong in there, you know, all those types of things. Uh, contrast that with on the the nutrition facts panel for a conventional food. Uh, obviously, a nutritional a conventional food is not going to have dietary ingredients on there uh, because that for uh, for obvious reasons. But also, the nutritional facts is going to have a lot of stuff about uh, you know it's going to have to have requirements about calories and fats and things of that nature that a supplement may or may not have to have. Uh, supplements are allowed to avoid some of that type of stuff if if the um, uh, amount of calories, for example, are below a certain threshold in the supplement, the supplement facts panel doesn't have to have those type of marks. Hmm. Um, now, I will say, and this is really another issue that I think kind of arises, and it's very prominent right now, plaintiff's lawyers. Um FDA's regulations are kind of um, difficult to understand on things like calorie counts and things like that. Okay. And sugars. And it's really plaintiff's lawyers have really jumped on the industry about those types of topics and saying products are now are they're making allegations that somebody's false advertising because they'll say something, for example, that the product is a zero sugar mm. and it doesn't have any sugar in it. Mm. Well, there's specific regulations under FDA that say how you when how and when and where you can say zero sugar or something like that. But it's not exactly a clear as a it's pretty much clear as mud. Okay. <laughs> and and FDA and plaintiff's lawyers have really jumped on that saying, you know, consumers are being dis, are being defrauded because of what's on the label oh, wow. and, and really attacking the industry like that. I, I, I again I'll reserve my judgment on on the, the validity of those claims. I but but they're out there. And when I when I advise clients, I tell clients, you know, it's kind of like the third arm. Okay. We've 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 talked about the FDA, we've talked about the FTC. Now let's talk about 
even if we're in 100% compliance with the FDA and FTC, is there a likelihood that some um, plaintiff's lawyers will come out there throwing stuff out there saying we're, 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 we're misleading consumers. Wow. And, and, and now we've got to address the whole, the whole issue there as well. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. I didn't even know that was a thing. I mean, zero oh, yeah, sugar means zero sugar. I was like, that's interesting. Uh, well, I want to tell you, that's one that's really big. So mm -hmm. the calorie count question, the sugars question, um, those types of issues right there. And again, if you, I, I won't go into the details of the, the regs, but they're very, you know, it, it, it's not clear. It's just not entirely clear what the regs say. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and people, it's kind of, it's confusing. So, you know, you may, you've, and again, this is where we talked about a few minutes ago, talking about when you need a lawyer. Well, yeah, if you've got a question like that, this is where you need a lawyer. This is yeah. where you need to have some legal opinion given to you is that, that you're in compliance. Uh, so that if something like that happens, whether it's governmental regulation or some plaintiff's lawyer, you get something to say, hey, I did all I could do here. I went and consulted counsel. You know, here's what my, my opinion we reached was, and this is what it was based on. Um, so, I, that, again, that's where that really is critical. It's, to it's interesting because from a health science and a molecular level of looking at sugar, even these synthetically produced artificial sugars, can some of them can actually still increase your blood your blood your blood glucose levels it can sure. cause spikes yep. even though it says zero sugar the substitute is still bad or worse than the sugar that's right that's Just, exactly right it's a shame that is, that's exactly right i'm with joseph aka jody shalacy of shalacy and tortorisi law when we come back from the break we'll discuss the fda stance on both homeopathy and industrial hemp plus jody will give us some guidance on what products are the easiest and safest to go to market with from a regulatory perspective. We'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by Salve Naturals, the leader in cruelty-free, plant-based, and natural topical medicines with ingredients sourced from American farmers. These natural products are freshly handmade in the USA, Houston, Texas, to be precise. Please visit salvenaturals.com or check out Salve and the healthy living departments at HEB stores across Texas. Are you looking for high quality, professional grade nutritional supplements that you can only get with the help of an integrative health practitioner? Well, believe it or not, I'm actually a degreed health science and integrative medicine practitioner, and I'm able to extend my 15% off practitioner discount to you on over 350 professional grade brands. Plus, they gave you free shipping on $49 or more. Please visit wellevate.me slash Dahlia hyphen colada. We're looking for inspiring expert guests and original musical artists. Think you have what it takes to be a part of the show? Please visit makingittomarket.com and apply. Making It to Market is a listener and sponsor supported show. Want to support the show? Check us out on Patreon or learn more about sponsorship opportunities on our website. Okay, um, so I have uh, several questions that I, I, while you were speaking, I was like, I have to write this down because I want to know this. Um, if I wanted to create a health and wellness brand, which is the easiest and safest from a regulatory perspective to go to market with? Hmm. Um, well, I guess the question you really got to ask yourself from the, from the, on the front end is, is, what am I, how, what am I wanting the consumer to see on my product? 
You know, if I'm wanting the consumer to see that this product ha- help, ha- maintains healthy heart function, well, if I'm a food I, or if I'm a conventional food, I can't do that. I can't make those claims. Um, and, and so I've got to put myself in the supplement category. Okay. Mm. If, if I'm, if I want to make a claim that, you know, this product is, is going to cure cancer. If I want to make that claim, well, you've already decided for yourself, you're out of the, you're out of the conventional food, you're out of the dietary supplement space, you're in the drug space and you've got to go through that process. Mm-hmm. So really, I think that's one of the starting points I think is, is you've got to figure out from the market, from the, what it is that you're wanting to convey to them. Right. The what do you want to sell? What do you want to, how are you going right. to sell your products? If you're making a pain product, you want to be able to say this is for pain. Otherwise, how are you going to sell the product? You can't just put yeah. Arnica on the outside and expect people, unless you know what Arnica is. So it's, it's a really hard sell. That's right. And and, and, it, and it doesn't necessarily mean we can't say things like that. But if we've decided, let's assume we want to make some sort of a pain product, but we want to stay away from having to go through the process of, of the FDA drug approval process. Well, maybe there's a way we can say what we want to say. Mm-hmm. In such a way that it doesn't violate those rules. It's the word game. I call it the it, FDA it, word it, game. A lot of ways it is. It's very <laughs> yeah. much a word game. It's exactly uh-huh. right. And we may come to the conclusion that it's just not doable. It's just not possible. Mm-hmm. But let's let's take a look. Let's let's see if there's a way to get to where you want to go. I have a question about OTCs on the topical and ingestible side. Uh, at what point? Because I know that there are some loopholes in creating products that are considered homeopathic. What experience do you have? on the OTC slash homeopathic slash supplement realm of um, using a homeopathic yeah, claim. Quite a good bit, you know, and you're absolutely right. There's a lot of people in the industry that say, well, this is I, I, my product's different because it falls in the homeopathic world. Well, FDA has been steadfast and clear that from the FDA perspective, there is no such thing as a homeopathic OTC. They don't believe that it exists. Mm-hmm. If, if you're making drug claims, you're a drug. It's not, there's no such thing as, and therefore it's got to either a go through the drug approval process, or it's got to meet the monograph for an OTC. Mm-hmm. There is no third, third hybrid offshoot of those types of things. It's either meeting those qualifications or you got to find some other home to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've had clients, I've had this discussion with clients before, you know, well, they, they, they think there is this homopathic, homopathic uh, OTC mm-hmm. classification out there. And, and I've got to kind of set them straight that, you know, that doesn't exist. We've got to find you the home in one of these other local places because mm-hmm. that's FDA has been very clear and it's documented well that they don't believe those, those exist. Mm-hmm. So if you have something, you know, that's that, that, that you think falls in that, what I often tell folks is, is, is more than likely, if you believe that's the case, there probably is a proper place for it to be. Let's find what that proper place is. It very well may be a supplement. It very well may be there's an OTC out there that, that a monograph out there that we fit in. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's 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 get a move away from this this homeopathic as being something that's that 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 uh, you know I I don't like necessarily making generalizations, but I've often found when people put that homeopathic language in there, mm-hmm. they're looking to try to find a way to um, to justify. Avoid- Yes. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and I and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm I'm not I'm not big on that. I don't I don't like clients doing it. But let's just let's just do it the right way from the outset and, and move from there. I've seen uh, I've seen some attorneys register homeopathic percentages and dosages for making an OTC. It might not be classified as an OTC, but they're still regis- registering it in the uh, in the same system as make as your OTCs. 
but they're putting, you know, it's the same, same process, but I have seen it. If you go to, uh, I mean, you're in Alabama, I don't know what stores you have there, but some of the natural food stores that have supplements, like a topical, for example, I've seen the yeah. homeopathic dosages on the outside and so forth. Oh yeah. And there's, and there's, and, and, and you're right. There are industry ent- entities out there that, that have some levels of stamp certification type things that say, you know, this is certified homeopathic and here's, here meets our standards and loop. But again, all that on a lot of ways is, is, is more marketing than it is anything regulatorily approved. Mm-hmm. Uh, FDA is pretty clear that they're not going to approve any of that stuff. And, and anything that has that on there, they're going to discount uh, unless it's gone through those processes, whether it's because it's a meeting the monograph or, or it's a pre-approval process. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because, in other words, just because I say it, it's homeopathic um, doesn't really add anything. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't make the difference from the FDA side. So assuming that I'm not making any drug claims or homeopathic claims or and I'm not using any CBD or hemp components. Well, I have, before that, before I ask this question, the hemp side, I can still put like industrial hemp in there and not say anything about CBD, correct? Oh, sure. Well, sure. I mean, those, those are those are different things. Cannabinoids that form CBD is, you know... We can get to, again, we can get into a much different discussion here, but the question of, you know, where does it come from in the plant? You know, what part of the plant are we using? You know, there is, there is actually, you know, grass certification for, for a hemp seed from the seed mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. of the hemp. And that, and that's okay. And that can be used in any, in, in any product right now. And that's not going to restrict me though, as far as like, now I'm not crossing a line of, we don't know what the regulations are. As long as I'm saying hemp seed oil. Yeah, you're okay. okay there. You should okay. be perfectly fine. Okay. It's when you start changing and you start going to the <laughs> level of, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about these particular cannabinoids have these effects and things like that. Now we're kind of moving away yeah. from yeah. just the seed and what it, what it, where it originated from and moving into, you know, various parts of the plant. And, and then we got to have the question of, okay, well, uh, are we below the, are we below the, the, the threshold, 0.3% threshold? Yeah. Yeah. you know, what, 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 where's it coming from? What's it, what's it doing, you know? And, and then what are we saying about it? So, you know, you, you, there's ways to do it and there's pieces of the plant that you can use without having those issues. Yeah. But the more and more you move away from it, the more and more likely we got some, some regulatory right. issues we got to deal yeah, with. Yeah. And I know, and uh, okay. So I know that the FDA does not, will not allow you to make an OTC that if you are, con- if you are including any cannabinoids, but you can say hemp seed oil, even though that's still questionable by the FDA on your OTC, but any claim or any dosaging around any specific cannabinoids mentioned, they're not going to make you allow you to have an OTC. However, I have some people, I've seen some brands going and creating OTC drug monographs and they are registered. I verified that they are registered as drugs. How are those brands getting away with that? I, I couldn't speak to them. So I'm not exactly sure who, who those are or what they're saying. Um, so I really wouldn't, I, would, I really don't know. I don't know the answer to that without actually having seen it. Yeah. Because it's a, I, I don't, rem- I don't remember the name off the top of my head right now. But they have, they have an OTC. They're claiming an OTC. They've got a drug monograph. They are registered with the FDA as a drug manufacturer, with their drug active, as being uh, a CBD. And that's not, they're not allowed to do that. I just don't know how they, what they, how they got through that. I don't know. Uh, that that that'd be, I'd be interested to see that myself because yeah. I'm not really sure. Yeah, I'll go back and look for it for you. Okay. Um. So going back to the question, I interrupted myself on <laughs> okay so i'm not creating 
a drug. I'm not creating a homeopathic product. I'm not creating anything that has any cannabinoids in there. If I were to create a health and wellness brand, which one is the easiest and safest from a regulatory perspective to go to market with? Would that be me doing a private label supplements or um, tinctures or topicals? Like what category from an attorney perspective is the lowest liability, lowest issue? Uh, I, I mean, I think we, I, I, I will say this. Um, if you have a product um, and you just put up, it's just a conventional food. Okay. We're not saying it does anything. We're just putting it in there. It, uh, I give you an example. Um, I don't know if you've heard of spirulina, which mm-hmm. is basically it's like an, it's an allergy, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, there's folks that sell that stuff just as, Mm-hmm. As, as as a food, mm-hmm. okay. just a bag of that stuff in it, and you, you mm-hmm. eat it. Okay, There's a high amount of potassium yeah. in it. Anyway, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> so that you know that stuff is it's easy to get to market because you just literally just throw it in a bag and sell it. You don't say anything about it. You don't do anything because that's easy. Now again, you're limiting yourself as to what your ability to say anything about it is. But from a standpoint of just I just want to get on the marketplace and sell the stuff. Well, that's probably the easy way to do it. Just put it in a bag and okay. sell it. So like if I want to if I want to add the next step of saying well. I want to be able to market it and have people buy this stuff because it's healthy for my heart or whatever. Well, now we've moved into it. It's got to be the easiest way is probably a supplement um, because now we've, we've got them again. You don't have to go through If it's a supplement, we're not having to go through the pre-approval process. Um, for the most part, you can throw it in a bottle and slap a label on it and, and get it on the shelf. Um, you just got to make sure whatever it says on there is, is compliance with the law. Um, mm-hmm. if we've taken the next step and say, well, I don't want to just say it supports healthy heart function. I want to say it's preventing heart disease. Right. Well, it's you, big you claim. can do that, <laughs> but, now we're making, but, but now we're making disease claims. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so now we know we've eliminated foods. We've eliminated dietary supplements. Now we're, we're at, is there an OTC monograph that'll, that matches what my, what my product looks like? Well, if it is, then great. If there's not an OTC monograph that matches it, then I know I'm left with only one option and that's to, to go through the pre-approval process, which clearly in answer to your question is the most difficult way to get there. There's no offense to what's about it. It's mm-hmm. expensive. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly difficult. Yeah. It's long. Um, and, and frankly, it's probably in a lot of ways, very antiquated. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, we, the process is, is it's, it's not easy. Um, uh, as opposed to a supplement, which is relatively easy. It's good to know. Yeah. Because yeah. I know that there's a lot of health and wellness brands that are wanting to go and create something or these doctors that we were talking about that want to add something to their retail part of their business. And, you know, they're, and they do this, but what do you think about those contract manufacturers that say, okay, the private label product's ready to go. You just put your logo on it. You think that's okay? Uh, <laughs> so you're talking about like a stock formula? Is that like, what you're talking exactly. about? Exactly. Stock formulas ready to go. Just put your, uh, put your lit sticker on the outside. You know, Obviously, there's some level you got to make sure you're the who you're dealing with, who the who the manufacturers that's made this stock formula, who they are, and what their reputation is. Uh-huh. But generally speaking, I mean, if if it's a stock formula and you want to put your label on it, they're, they're, you're probably uh, it's probably okay. Uh-huh. Um, I don't. I have a lot of clients that do that, uh, uh, and you, generally speaking, it's okay. Um, obviously, if you're the manufacturer that has those stock formulas. If something goes wrong with my product, 
mean, I, there's no question I'm going to be leaning on you mm -hmm. because it was your, your, your formulation. You're the one that put it together. I bought it from you and whatever. Um, so, but I, generally speaking, I don't think there's necessarily anything that's inherently wrong with, uh, using a stock okay. formula. That's good to know. I guess a, a yeah. sense of safety, because there's probably many other brands out there using the same. And, and, and again, if, if, if you tell me your stock formula has something in it that I know shouldn't be in there, exactly. then, then that, that's on you for buying it. Right? <laughs> I warned you. That's right. All right. So when working with you, Jody, um, how does it typically work? Is there like, do you do retainer or do you do per project per hour? Typically what to, what do someone expect to experience when working with you? Sure. So I, I, I'm the benefit of having my own firm is, is I get to decide those questions, those, those, those issues, you know, I can, I'm, I generally try to be fairly flexible with my clients. Usually I will take a retainer amount. Um, and then that retainer amount will kind of depend on what I'm being asked to do. Um, but generally that's the way I do it. Some things are going to be a per project basis. You know, if I, if somebody gives me a, Hey, I got this product, this label, I need you to review it and give me an opinion on it. More than likely, that's going to fall in something that's going to be pretty much. We can call. It, it, I may take a retainer from you, but for most part, you could pretty much assume that that's what's going to cost. All right. Um, but everything else is everything else I do on an hourly basis. It's it's. Um, I run my uh, I run things through on a um, an hour basis, and we bill against that retainer. Good to know. So you and I have been kind of preliminary talking about us collaborating on a new venture that I'm starting to help companies um, offer a safer, uh, like be the buffer between FDA and the, and the company when they're having issues as far as reading the label and creating the label and making sure they're compliant as well as any uh, representation they might need in the face of claims or issues or any type of right. litigation that might be needed. So we'll talk more about that on another episode, but I'm excited to kind of pursue how that might work out with us. And uh, so if you're listening to this episode, you're going to hear Jody many, many more times in the future. And he's awesome. <laughs> and we've learned so much from you already today, Jody. Can't wait to hear what we're going to talk about next. But before we wrap up, can you give me, be share some, any, any advice for somebody who is creating a health or wellness product or brand consult legal counsel. Um, and I know that may sound selfish. I'm from my, because that's what I do, but I just think in, you know, from a standpoint of if you want, if you're going to do this, I mean, there are plenty of bad apples in the industry that will put whatever they want to out there in the marketplace, good, bad, and different. And then when they get called out it, they shut down and go move on and do something else. There are those out there. I just don't think that number one, I don't think that's where you build a sustainable brand, but more importantly, I think that's just begging for, um, you know, the government to come down on you, do it, do it right from the outset, invest a little extra money to do it right. Get the opinions, get the, the analysis done on the product, uh, on the brand, protect whatever you've got out there. So no one else is trying to do the same thing you're doing. And, and, and in the long run, that's going to help you out more toward, being sustainable um, as opposed to just trying to fly by the night. And you can help, you can help a company determine their analysis for all their different um, labels and, you know, the actual uh, food facts and supplement oh, absolutely. facts and all absolutely. That you can help with Now that. I, it's, it's, you know, I would, I do that. I do that. I do label review and help people and help clients, you know, go dissect it down to the very minutia of the regulations. 
there are also outside consultants that do that type of thing that 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 brands can retain on their own uh and and those are good there's a lot of really quality people a lot of those folks are former fda um you know investigators and whatever else so they're very qualified i I don't discount them at all and i think they're very helpful um i'm also the opinion though that and oftentimes you know that's that's a that that opinion that they give you is going to be helpful to you but if something really goes wrong you don't have the benefit of relying on that opinion as much as you do as a legal opinion um and because if you have a legal opinion that says that then now we've got what's called an advice of counsel defense you know you you saw you did the right thing you consulted an attorney and that attorney's job was to give you some uh, I, I don't like the i don't want to say it's a get out of jail free card it's not but it's certainly something you can actually rely on and substantiate and and hold up and uh if something does call you i'd say hey i did i, I couldn't done no more than, mm-hmm. than consult you know so the so that while neither it's okay to use those outside consultants and in fact i sometimes confer with those um you know that still shouldn't take the place of seeking legal advice. Well, I'm really happy that you were on the show today. I'm very pleased to get the information that we got to share with the audience today. Yeah, thank you. And again, thank you so much for the invitation. I, I'm, I really enjoyed it and uh, would love to do it again for you. I'm excited. Thank you so much, Jody. Thank you. To learn more about Jody Shalasi, check him out on his website, themillennialawyer.com or visit him on LinkedIn or Twitter at Shalasi and Tort. As always, I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you did, please subscribe to Making It to Market wherever you listen to podcasts or listen from our website, makingittomarket.com. Thank you for your honest five-star rating and review on your favorite podcast app. And a special thanks to our show sponsors and listeners, Without your support, I would not be able to do this. If there's a topic you'd like to hear, have a question, or even a comment you'd like for me or today's guest to address, feel free to leave me a voice message on our podcast phone line. If we air your question or comment in an upcoming episode, we'll send you a free Making It to Market t-shirt or mug. Details are in the show notes. Thanks for listening. Until the next time, make decisions that make a difference.